Dragnet. The Jack Benny Program. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. George Burns and Gracie Allen. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. We offer you Escape. Follow Miss Brooks. Suspense. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Fibber McGee and Molly. The Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? WGN Radio Theater. A special three-hour presentation with Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right. It is seven minutes after 11 p.m. here. On August 31st, last day of August, Lisa, it's program 417. This is the WGN Radio Theater. To my right, the vivacious Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. What's up? Well, we have a terrific lineup. We, we have do. a really great lineup. We have a Western to start things off. Have Gun, Will Travel from 1960. Then Fibber McGee and Molly, one of uh, the all-time favorite comedy shows from the golden age of radio. And then Nick Carter, Master Detective. So Western, Comedy, and Detective. And our producer is the wonderful Shante Garth. So we're going to have a very smooth program. We'll be here till 2 o'clock in the morning. And we're glad to have you back this weekend. We missed you last yes, weekend. Yes, we did. All right, it's time to play our game, Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous? Brought to you by Cat's Pride. Right, the celebrity is Mel Brooks. And we One of my are, favorites. I know. We're, I try to pick your favorites. Wow. We're going to give away uh, Mercury Theater Chicago tickets to see Monty Python spam a lot. Yeah. So that should be a lot of fun. Okay, good. What caller would you We're going like? to go with caller number three. You can call right now at 312-981-7200. Call now, and we'll be right back. Come on, baby. Let's get ridiculous. We are going to get ridiculous. We've got Richard on the phone. Hi, Richard. Yes. Hello. How are you? Well, I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm pretty good, too. Carl, how you doing? Good. Hi, Richard. All right. We're going to do a little Mel Brooks, and uh, Carl will be a great lifeline. We'll see how it goes. All right. Number one, The Producers was his first Broadway musical. Real or ridiculous? <sighs> what do you think? Well, we're on till two. Uh, it was a long time ago. He could have done something before then. It was a big famous one. You think it's ridiculous uh, or, or, or real? I think it's real. I'm going to agree. Real. It is ridiculous. Oh, man. Um, it was not his first Broadway musical. He did, Now, I've never heard of this. He did Shinbone Alley in 1957. Oh. <clears throat> so close, though. So close. Shinbone Alley. Huh? Yeah. Number two, he changed his last name because of a famous baseball player on the New York Yankees. Do you know what his name We're here till two. Do you know what his name, what his <laughs> born name was? The name he was born with? You did that last time. His name was Melvin James Kaminsky. That's his real name. Oh, so, so what do you think of that? <clears throat> he changed it because there was a, uh, the last name, Kaminsky, of a famous baseball player. Really ridiculous. Well, We're here till two. It's real. Real. It is ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> um, but there was <laughs> there was a famous trumpeter with that last oh name. Gosh. So, you know, She's baseball so sneaky, player, trumpeter, Richard. it's all the same thing. So sneaky. Uh, all right. His left handprint on the Hollywood Walk of Fame has an extra digit. Real uh, or ridiculous? Uh, 
We're here till two. Stop it, Carl. <laughs> All right, he was a he was a comedian, so I'm going to say real. Real. It's real. All right. He he, he used a prosthetic eleventh finger. That's Can you hilarious. believe it? He's that so is fantastic, funny. Richard. You are a winner here. You have won Mercury Theater Chicago tickets. They are presenting the positively medieval satire Monty Python Spam a lot. Um, it oh, started yeah. previews uh, August thirtieth, so that was yesterday. And Newsday calls Spam a lot a holy grail of big crowd pleasing musical comedy. Check it out at Mercury Theater Chicago. Dot com. We're going to send you two tickets. Oh, thank you so much for playing. It was a lot of fun. Way to go. Well, thank you, too. It was Thanks, fun. Richard. Thank you. Take care, buddy. All right. He's a big winner. And uh, so are our listeners, because we're here till 2 o'clock with all your favorite <laughs> classic radio shows. Our text in line, 312-981-7200. We love getting your texts. We love hearing from our listeners. It's so much fun. We do this uh, every weekend, Saturdays and Sundays, beginning at 11. And we love hearing from you. So do text us, 312-981-7200. But right now... It's time for Have Gun, Will Travel. Now, uh, Lisa, we've played a lot of these, and people may not realize that Have Gun, Will Travel was one of the only radio shows that started out as a television show. Very few television shows moved to radio. My uh, Little Margie was another one. There was a couple other other ones. But Have Gun, Will Travel started as a TV show. It was so popular on TV with Richard Boone. As Paladin, the man that they call Paladin, he was a soldier of fortune. You could hire him to do dirty jobs that other people wouldn't do. Maybe, you know, someone kidnapped your your um, your kid or, you know, someone owed you money or whatever the case may be in the West. You couldn't necessarily go to the police. So you would go to a soldier of fortune like Paladin. You paid steep prices for his uh, services, but he always got the job done. Right. You know, and... um as I said, TV was Richard Boone, but on radio, they couldn't get Richard Boone to do it. He was too busy filming the television show. So they went to John Daner, who was uh, one of the best supporting players of the golden age of radio, to play Paladin on radio. And we have a broadcast for you now from November 20th, 1960. It's called Martha Nell. Here's John Daner, part one of Have Gun, Will Travel. You came to me with a gun. You call it righteousness. Call it by its right name. Murder. Have gun. Will travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. San Francisco, 1875, the Carlton Hotel, headquarters of a man called Paladin. Oh, oh Miss Wong. Oh, Mr. Paladin. I'm sorry, I frightened oh. you, didn't I? Yes, sir. I was going to knock on your door, and all of a sudden, you come out. <laughs> oh, you surprised me, Mr. Wong. Well, you're making the rounds a little early this morning, aren't you? Lisa, 
Many extra rooms to be cleaned for new guests. Big convention for railroad men begins today. Oh, that's right. I'd forgotten. Right. Looks like I'll miss all the excitement. Where are you going, Mr. Paladin? To Greenwood. Oh, is that long way from San Francisco? No, not far. It's about 30 miles. Well, then maybe you come back before convention ends. Uh, Miss Wong, if it's like that last convention we had at the Carlton, I'd just as soon stay away until it's over. Oh, it's a... Missy Wong, remember, plenty noisy, huh? <laughs> I'll say it was. I'll say it was, oh, me. Missy Wong, remember something else, too. What's that? They make plenty big mess in rooms. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Well, that stage will be leaving in a few minutes. I better get downstairs. Now, don't work too hard, Miss Wong. Either. You have a nice trip, Mr. Fatherland. Thank you. <laughs> For some years now, we've been asking you to send your dollars to CARE to help the hungry and needy overseas. Here's what some of those dollars have done. They've bought milk and sterilization equipment so that 100,000 school children in Israel can have a glass of milk every day. Thanks to this equipment, Israel is now providing its own milk for these children so the next CARE dollars can go to help another needy area. Your care dollars have sent medical instruments and laboratory equipment to a new small hospital being built in the Philippines. This hospital will bring the first medical care to this area in centuries. Care dollars have furnished farm tools, building machinery, cotton cloth, and other needs so that refugees in Vietnam could erect 27 villages. But there's much more to be done and many more people to be helped in all parts of the world. Won't you continue to help won't you continue to send your dollars to CARE, New York 16, New York. It had been two years since I'd seen Clem Brady, the sheriff of Greenwood. Now he was asking for my help. His letter seemed urgent. I welcomed the opportunity to renew his friendship and to get away from San Francisco for a few days. Clem wasn't in his office when I arrived, so I went over to the local dining room for a late midday meal and a cup of coffee. The place was empty, except for a young couple sitting on the other side of the room. A rather unusual couple. The girl, the most strikingly beautiful young lady I'd ever seen. My admiration must have been fairly obvious, for at one point she returned an embarrassed smile. This prompted her escort to step over to my table. Hey, you... Yes? Keep your eyes off my girl. I... I suppose I was staring, but no harm intended. You're new here, ain't you? That's right. Well, let me warn you. Don't be flirting with her again. I wasn't flirting. Call it what you like. Just remember what I said. Now, you look, mister. I... Hey. Clam. Clam Brady. How are you? They told me you were by the office. What's going on here? Oh, this young man and I were just having a friendly conversation. It looked to me like he was about to tear at each other's throat. What's the matter, Sam? Nothing, Sheriff. Nothing at all. I didn't know he was a friend of yours. Uh, just a misunderstanding, Clem. I was admiring the young lady over there, and he got the wrong impression. Sam, I've told you time and again, you're going to get yourself in a pack of trouble if you don't stop being so hard-nosed jealous. you got to be careful, boy. Yeah, I... Uh... I guess I was in the wrong again, Sheriff. Sorry. Remember what I say, Sam. That boy protects her like a bandy rooster. 
Maybe he's got a good reason. She's quite a beauty. Ain't she, though? Mm. Well, sit down, Clem. Have a cup of coffee with me. Yeah, as well. We'll get you a cup if that waiter ever comes out of the kitchen. Oh, he'll be out. Oh, it sure is good to see you, Paladin. I didn't know whether you'd be able to come or not. Why not? It's about time we met up again. Bye, Sheriff. Hello, Sheriff Clem. Hello, Martha Nell. My, 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 she is a charmer. Yeah. It's pitiful, though. Pitiful? Well, she's part of the reason I asked you to come up here. How's that? It was her husband that was killed. Oh? Not more than six weeks ago. Just a boy, Paladin, barely turned 20. Sure set this town on its haunches. Oh, I got pressures all around me to clear this up. How did it happen? Well, the boy had been gambling at the saloon. He'd won a lot of money and left the table around midnight. It was ambushed in an alley about a block away. Robbed? Yeah. Poor kid was from back east. Him and Martha Nell had just been here a couple of months. So far, there hasn't been one lead I could nail down. Oh. What about the men who lost money to him that night? Well, every one of them has a good alibi. Well, maybe it was a stranger passing through, saw the boy winning, and then waited for him to leave. I don't think so. We don't have many visitors in this town, especially on a Monday night. And that's when it happened. Oh, I'm sure it was somebody right here in town. Do you think he's still here? Well, nobody's left town or acted suspicious or anything. How'd the girl take him? Pretty bad at first. But Sam's been a lot of help to her. Yeah, how does he figure in this? Well, he'd known her husband back east. He's the only one they knew when they came out to settle here. After the killing, he sort of took charge. He's done a good job of it, too. From the looks of things, they'll probably end up getting married. Uh, Sam's a nice boy, except he's a little hot-headed. Where do I start, Clem? Well, the main thing is to get to know the people that was in the saloon that night. Maybe with a fresh mind on it, you might discover something I've overlooked. Hmm. Was the boy in the habit of gambling? No, it's just it. It was the first time anyone ever knew of him visiting the saloon. Martha Nell can tell you about that. Well, then I should go have a talk with her first. That's a good idea. She works over at the general store. Right. Well, if I'm going to have a cup of coffee with you, I'd better go in the kitchen and get it myself. Change, Mrs. Butler. Oh, thank you, Martha. Now, bye. Bye. I'm sorry she took so long, Mr. Paladin. That's all right. Now, uh, I've forgotten the last question you asked. Yes, you were going to tell me why your husband went to the saloon that night. Yes, well, it was kind of a celebration for Roy. He'd gotten his first paycheck from the freight office, and I'd just gotten my job here at the store. Seemed that everything was beginning to come our way. He and Sam came by for me when the store closed, and the three of us went over to the dining room. Roy bought us the biggest steak suppers on the menu. Your husband worked with Sam at the freight office? Yes, uh, Sam got him the job there. Ah. What happened after supper? Well, Roy wanted to buy Sam a celebration drink, so they took me back to the rooming house and left to go to the saloon. That's the last time I saw Roy alive. Why didn't Sam come home with him? Roy was... Having such good luck at the gaming tables, he didn't want to leave. So Sam came on back to the rooming house. Well, does he live at the same place you do? Uh, he did then. He had the room across the hall from ours. Uh -huh. When he came back, he knocked on my door and told me Roy'd be home later. It wasn't more than an hour after that when Sheriff Clem came and 
told me what had happened. Oh, Sam. Hi. You got off early? Yeah. Thought maybe we could take a ride out to Willow Grove. All right, but you'll have to wait till we close. I have to lock up tonight. You, uh, buying up the store, Mr. Paladin? <laughs> Sam. Well, he's been in here long enough. <laughs> Do you keep tabs on everybody who comes into this store, Sam? There ain't much going on in Greenwood that I don't know about. Especially when it concerns Martha Nell. Sam, Mr. Paladin was just asking me some questions about Roy's murder. He's helping Sheriff Clem. Look, Paladin, Sheriff knows as much about this as Martha Nell does. Now, you let him give you all the answers. There's no need for you to get her all upset. It's better she forget about this whole thing. I don't mind answering questions, Sam, if it'll help them find the killer. I know what's best for you. Just let me handle it. Oh, Sam. He may be right, Martha Nell. I guess I did take up quite a bit of your time. I, I didn't mind, really, Mr. Bell. Well, thanks, anyway. Perhaps I'll be seeing you again before I leave town. Good day. Goodbye. That is the first portion of Have Gun, Will Travel, November 20th, 1960, Martha Nell, starring John Daner. This is a, this is a recording direct from Master, from the Master 16-inch disc, Lisa. And that's what we use for our Classic Radio Club. So folks, if you want to join the Classic Radio Club, you'll get 10 shows every month that sound like this Have Gun, Will Travel episode. I believe in sending our members uh, of the Classic Radio Club the finest quality classic radio shows we have in our library of over 100,000 shows. You believe? I believe. <laughs> That's very dramatic. I believe in I, doing that. I believe that. It's my uh, sole intention, and I believe it with all my heart. I believe it. I believe. <laughs> I believe. Do you remember, uh, I believe that children are our future? Yeah, yes. Do you remember what that's mm-hmm. from? Um, I remember, remember it was movie? like a commercial or something. Or well, it was a Whitney song. Houston song. Oh, yeah. But do you remember they used that in School of Rock? Yeah. I believe with... Mm-hmm. No, you don't remember yes, what I'm talking I do. about. Our I listeners remember will remember. You yes. have no idea. Anyway, okay. um, <laughs> so go to ClassicRadioClub.com. Join and get 10 shows every month, 10 different shows every single month sent to you. And they will sound like this. There will also be liner notes that I write, and you can get them via digital download or on CD. So and the first it's all month there. is only $1 That's to right. check it out. ClassicRadioClub.com. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Motorists, this Labor Day, please arrive alive, never drink and drive. The Alliance Against Intoxicated Motorists Drunk Buster Program pays $100 to motorists who report an impaired driver that leads to a DUI arrest. This program is in effect year-round in DuPage, Lake, Kane, Grundy, McHenry, Will, Boone, and Winnebago counties, and statewide on all major holidays, including Labor Day. Citizens are encouraged to report erratic driving to the police. That's AIM, the Alliance Against Intoxicated Motorists. For more information, visit www.aaim1.org. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. 
Motorists, this Labor Day, please arrive alive, never drink and drive. The Alliance Against Intoxicated Motorists Drunk Buster Program pays $100 to motorists who report an impaired driver that leads to a DUI arrest. This program is in effect year-round in DuPage, Lake, Kane, Grundy, McHenry, Will, Boone, and Winnebago counties, and statewide at all major holidays, including Labor Day. Citizens are encouraged to report erratic driving to the police. That's AIM, the Alliance Against Intoxicated Motorists. For information, visit www.aaim1.org. All right, we are listening to a great Western on Have Gun, Will Travel. Let's go back to November 20th, 1960, for the conclusion now to Martha Nell, starring John Daner. I spent the first two days in Greenwood getting acquainted with the men who had been at the poker table with Martha Nell's husband the night he was killed. As far as I could determine, Sheriff Brady was right. They all had good alibis. And they were all anxious to help us find the man who did it. I also spent a couple of hours each night in the saloon, talking to the regulars and to the barkeep. No, sir, Mr. Paladin. If there'd been a stranger in here that night, I'd have remembered... Strangers stick out like sore thumbs in this town. Care for another drink? Uh, no, no, thank you. Uh, has there been any suspicious rumors about who could have done it? Not that I've heard. Uh, well, Paladin. Hi. Hello, Clem. Where you been all day? Out in the countryside, talking to some of the men who were in here that night. Care for a drink, Sheriff? Yeah. Uh, make it rye, Barney. Yes, sir. What'd you find out? Mm, same thing you did. Nothing new. Yeah, it's a tough one, all right. Sure. Oh, thanks. Yep. Clem. Yeah. Let me ask you something. We've been going on the basis that he was killed for the money. A robbery. Now, could there have been any other reason? Well, he was robbed. Yeah, I, I know. I know. But did he, did he have a run-in with anybody? No, or no, was no, no, no. He, he was just a newcomer. Uh-huh. Like I told you, him and his wife had only been here a couple of months. Uh-huh. Just happy little lovebirds trying to get a start in life. It was robbery, pure and simple. <laughs> Tell me more about this boy, Sam. Would would he have any reason? Not likely. He was Roy's best friend. I know, but he's also pretty cozy with Roy's wife now that he's dead. Well, I suppose you could make something out of that if you wanted to. But it's a natural thing to happen. I'll admit it crossed my mind at one time, but don't forget he was in bed when it happened. How can you be sure? When I went over to give Martha Nell the bad news, he came out of his room across the hall. Yeah? Said he heard the commotion. He'd been in bed all right. Did she also tell you that he stopped by earlier to tell her that Roy was still at the saloon? She did. And that was proof enough to eliminate him when it did cross my mind. Ah, well... Hmm. It's been a long day, Clem. I think I'll go back to the hotel and get some sleep. All right, Palin. I... I'm going to stay here for one more drink, and I'll be doing the same. I'll see you in the morning. Good night. Good night. What are you Somebody took a shot at me. They ran down that alleyway. Uh, a couple of you men look down there. See if you can find anybody. Uh, you hurt bad? No, I don't think so. Can you walk up to your room? Yeah, sure. Uh, somebody go get the doctor. 
Tell him to meet us at the hotel. Sure. Let me give you a hand, Palin. All right. Well, there you are, mister. That ought to do it. Uh, thanks, doctor. Now, you keep your arm not sling for a few days. You'll be all right. Good. <clears throat> hey, Clem, did your men find anybody? Uh, no. Not a soul. That's too bad. Well, good night, gentlemen. Night, night, night doctor. If you come by the office tomorrow, Mr. Paladin, I'd like to take another look at your arm. I'll do that, doctor. Thank you. Well, Clem, whoever shot me could very well be the same man we're looking for. Yeah, but I can't figure out what they'd have against you. Well, maybe I've asked a few too many questions the last couple of days. But you don't have any ideas? Nope. Well, I'll let you get some rest. Maybe we'll come up with something in the morning. I'll give it a lot of thought. Good night. Good night, Clem. It's me, Martha Nell. May I come in? Sure. Uh, here, let me turn up the light. No, uh, leave it low. Someone may see us. It's kind of late for you to be out alone, isn't it? Well, I heard what happened. I wanted to see if you were all right. Well, I was very thoughtful, but uh, that isn't the only reason you came, is it? Well, what do you mean? You want to tell me about Sam, don't you? Well, yes, I guess I should. You've been covering for him. He's the one that killed your husband. How did you know? Why haven't you told the sheriff, Martha, now? I've been too afraid, Wait a I minute. Guess. Did someone follow you here? Not that I know of. Why? There's somebody outside my door. Sam. Get over behind that chest. Don't open the door, Mr. Paladin. Huh? Keep quiet. Don't open the door. You give me that gun. Don't move or I'll shoot. Come in. Sheriff! Watch it, Clem. Get down. <laughs> you all right, Clem? Yeah. Hey, what's going on in here? Well, Martha Nell pulled a gun on me. Martha Nell. I'm not a very good shot. If you were, you would have killed me tonight in the alley. That was you, wasn't it? Yes. Martha Nell. Yes, it was me, Sheriff. I killed Roy, too. What? Yes, I killed Roy. Then I took his money to make it look like he was robbed. But, but why? Roy would never let me leave him. It was the only way I could have Sam. Does Sam know? No. When he came back that night and went to his room, I, I slipped out and waited till Roy left the saloon. 
Everything worked out just as I hoped it would until you came into town. Started stirring things up again. I wish you hadn't done that, Mr. Paladin. I'll go get the doctor. Ah, it's too late, Clem. She's dead. Oh, no. What a pity. Yeah. I, I can't believe a pretty little thing like that would shoot her own husband. Why would she do it? Like she said, she was in love with Sam. Uh, just doesn't make sense. Love can do strange things, Clem. Especially to a young girl like her. Paladin. Ah, thank you, driver. Yes, sir. My pleasure. Good day. Hup, hup. Oh, Mr. Paladin. Well, hello, hey boy. Hey boy, I wonder when you come back. Here, I take your suitcase. Thank you. Oh, why you got sling on your arm? Oh, just a little accident, nothing serious. Oh, that's good. Uh, you come home just in time. Oh, in time for what? To miss a big railroad convention. Everybody left <laughs> last night. Hey, boy, that's the best news I've had all week. Yes, uh, I thought you'd be happy to know. How's Miss Wong holding up? Oh, not so good. She not come to work today. All tired out. <laughs> but uh, she'll be back tomorrow. I warned her not to work too hard. Hey, boy, take my suitcase up to the room, will you please? I'm going to stop in the bar and get a drink. My throat's a little dusty. Yes, uh, oh, oh, uh, Miss Paladin. What, what, what? Uh, there's a very pretty young lady in there. She told hey boy, she'd like to meet you sometime. Maybe you have a drink with her? Oh? How pretty? Oh, very pretty and very young. You'll see her. Well, hey boy, this may come as a surprise to you. But today, I'm not interested in the very pretty and the very young. If you're having Thanksgiving at your house this year, with loads of relatives expected, then make double certain you pick up a pack or two of Sylvania Blue Dot flashbulbs when you're out doing your big Thanksgiving grocery shopping. Pictures taken with Sylvania Blue Dots will help make this Thanksgiving a day to remember forever. And don't forget, only with Flash do you get all the sharp, clear details, day or night, anytime, anywhere, with any camera. And incidentally, right now, your dealer is making this special offer. With the purchase of just a pack of Sylvania Blue Dot Flashbulbs, the world's largest selling brand, you'll get a lavishly illustrated 32-page flash guidebook called It's Easy to Take Better Flash Pictures, loaded with helpful hints and tips, suggestions and secrets of expert photographers. This book shows you the right flashbulb for every kind of film. Yes, this book will help you take the best Thanksgiving pictures you've ever taken. So hurry. Thanksgiving is this Thursday. Get your Sylvania Blue Dot Flashbulbs now. Will Travel Created by Herb Meadow and Sam Rolfe Is produced and directed in Hollywood By Frank Paris 
and stars John Daner as Paladin, with Ben Wright as Hayboy and Virginia Gregg as Miss Wong. Tonight's story was specially written for Have Gun, Will Travel by Mr. Paris. Featured in the cast were Jack Moyles, Sam Edwards, Charlie Lung, Bartlett Robinson, and Ann Whitfield. This is Hugh Douglas inviting you to join us again next week when CBS Radio presents Have Gun, Will Travel. That is Have Gun, Will Travel, November 20th, 1960, with Martha Nell, starring John Daner. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a quick break, then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Motorists, this Labor Day, please arrive alive, never drink and drive. The Alliance Against Intoxicated Motorist Drunk Buster Program pays $100 to motorists who report an impaired driver that leads to a DUI arrest. This program is in effect year-round in DuPage, Lake, Kane, Grundy, McHenry, Will, Boone, and Winnebago counties and statewide at all major holidays, including Labor Day. Citizens are encouraged to report erratic driving to the police. That's AIM, the Alliance Against Intoxicated Motorists. For more information, visit www.aaimthenumber1.org. All right, Lisa, we have uh, Fibber, McGee, and Molly coming up in the next hour. After that... One of the best detective shows of the golden age of radio, Nick Carter, Master Master Detective. Detective. He was so good, he was a master detective at it. Right. That's how good he was. You're a master radio host. That's how good you are. You're a master radio co-host. I'm a mastress. (laughs) You're a mastress? (laughs) Hey, you know where this master and mastress are going next August? I sure do. Where? We're going to Bermuda. Yes. We're not just going to Bermuda. We're going on a cruise to Bermuda, yeah, which makes it extra great. Yep. So tell us about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Oceana, which is one of the best cruise lines out there. The food's going to be amazing, and the entertainment's going to be amazing as well. But most importantly, the company is going to be amazing, yes. and that's you and me. Right. <laughs> we are going to accompany you, and we're going to have a classic radio I can't cruise. wait to see Lisa with like a real floppy hat on everywhere she goes, because <laughs> she doesn't hat. believe in letting sun touch her skin. No, I do believe in it. I just get sunburned. So she has this giant floppy hat. Have you ever seen How many floppy, floppy hats hat? do you have? I don't have any floppy hats. Yeah, I've never owned a floppy hat. But if you want to buy one for me, I'll consider wearing yeah. it. So she, she'll be walking around completely covered up from the sun. I'll be like walking around with uh, getting sun like crazy. I love sun. Do you? I love the sun. You love the sun. The sun yeah. does not love me. That's yeah. all. I, I don't have a problem with it, but he yeah. doesn't love Lisa's me. Lisa's awfully pasty white. I am. You are very pasty. I am white. I yeah. can call it however you want. Right. It. Lily white. Pasty <laughs> Lily, white. Lily pasty, whatever. We're going to Bermuda. So it's on the, the ship is called Insignia. It's for seven nights. We leave August 1st of 2020. There's uh, four open seating restaurants. There's a world-class fitness center. There's a spa. There's eight lounges and bars. There's a casino. And we're going to do some classic radio fun. We're going to yes. have some trivia contests. We're going to put on a classic radio 
video reenactment. And we're just going to hang out together yeah. and have a lot of fun. Get your pen and paper ready because Lisa, in a moment, is going to be giving you a uh, Lisa, toll in free. a moment. In a moment. <laughs> she'll be giving you a toll-free number to call um, our travel agent. So we have a great deal going with Keen Luxury Travel. We have a block of rooms. They're giving us a really special price. So the number for Keen Luxury Travel is 800 800- 856-1155. That's 800-856-1155. Or visit WGNRadioTheater.com. That's our website. And scroll down and you'll find a banner. You can click on the banner, get the information that way. We hope you'll join us. Prices start at eleven ninety nine a person. And that's seven nights. For seven, seven nights. nights. It's, it's very all-inclusive. Uh, free Wi-Fi and your gratuities. Imagine well, that. 11.99. And of course, your, your food for yeah, seven food, nights. I mean, everything. And your entertainment. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be there. We'll make sure that everybody has fun. If you have any questions, let us know. You know what's really impressing, uh, impressive impressing. to me? Impressive to me. When your parents were here a month or so ago, and your parents yep. are big cruisers, they, they, they spare no expense. They like to uh, cruise on the best cruise lines, right? I mean, this is true. It's all true. Okay. So they go on Oceana. They that do. is their that favorite is their cruise, cruise line. of choice. That, that is was really cool true. to hear that. Yep. Because I've not been on Oceana yet. I know, but this is our goal. I haven't either. This is our golden opportunity. And I know some of our listeners have already signed up. Yep. We only have one block of rooms. I'd hate to have you miss it. Don't wait to the last minute. They will be gone. Yeah. We're pretty sure this is going to be a really great opportunity at a great price. Give the uh, toll-free number again, 800-856-1155. Yep. All right. Call Keen Luxury Travel. Book uh, your room so you can be with us next August 1st on Insignia Oceana to Bermuda. Can't wait. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, about nine minutes after midnight. Thank you, David. And in this hour, Faber, McGee, and Molly going back to 1939. They are really in their stride at this time, 1939. It was like between 1939, 40, 41, they were like tops on the radio. Everybody listened to Fibber McGee and Molly. And they were um, a real married couple, lived right here in Peoria, Illinois, made it big. They were on the radio as a couple and went through vaudeville. But then they made it big, Lisa, and were on NBC radio, and they were on the air for like 20-something years, quite a accomplishment, I'll tell you that. So we'll listen to Fibber McGee and Molly in just a few minutes, but right now it's time to play our game. Is it real or is it ridiculous? Brought to you by Cat's Pride. Yes, the celebrity is Cloris Leachman. Oh, yeah. Oh, love her. yeah, for sure. Gosh, remember um, uh, the movie um, Young Frankenstein with her? Of course. And then whenever she'd come on, you know, the, the horse would go. Of course, of course. And speaking Fabula. of right, and and speaking of Cloris Leachman, it, yeah. of course, it's Valerie Harper oh, died yesterday. So Gosh. that was a very sad day. Very sad. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's have a caller call in. Uh, what are gonna, they going to win? Uh, they're going to win two tickets to see Monty Python Spamalot, which is playing right now at Mercury Theater Chicago. And we're going to go with caller number five. You can call right now at three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred, and we'll be right back. Motorist, this Labor Day, please. 
please arrive alive, never drink and drive. The Alliance Against Intoxicated Motorist Drunk Buster Program pays $100 to motorists who report an impaired driver that leads to a DUI arrest. This program is in effect year-round in DuPage, Lake, Kane, Grundy, McHenry, Will, Boone, and Winnebago counties, and statewide on all major holidays, including Labor Day. Citizens are encouraged to report erratic driving to the police. That's AIM, the Alliance Against Intoxicated Motorists. For information, visit www.aaim.org. Hey, we have Tom on the phone to play the game with us. Hey, Tom. How are you tonight? I'm great. How are you? Hi, Tom. Doing well. All right. Terrific. We're going to do a little Chloris Leachman this morning. You ready? I am ready. Okay, number one. She was the oldest contestant on Dancing with the Stars. Real or ridiculous? I'll say that's real. It sounds real to me. It does sound real. It is. All right. (laughs) It is absolutely real. So far, so good. All right, one out of one. One out of one. (laughs) Number two, she had a recurring role as Grandma Ida on the Fox sitcom That 70s Show. Real or ridiculous? I'll say that's real. Sounds real. It sounds real, but um, she was on Malcolm in the Middle, not That 70s Show. So sneaky. Yeah, that's how this. That's how this. See what it's like working with her, Tom. I know. I'm really rough, aren't I? Gosh. Gosh. He. Tom's the winner. You. I know. Still working on it. Number three. She was in the 1946 Miss America pageant. (laughs) (laughs) Really ridiculous. I'll say that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's real. Get out of here. <laughs> it's real. It's real. It's real. It's real. Ugh. But you did get one out of three. And in my book, that is a winner, Tom. So you uh, have one ticket. So Mercury Theater Chicago is presenting the positively medieval satire Monty Python Spamalot. It just opened August 30th. Newsday calls Spamalot a holy grail of big crowd pleasing musical comedy. You have won two tickets. You're going to see the show. You can check it out and get more information at MercuryTheaterChicago.com. I hope you have a great time at the show. It's really a lot of fun. I sure will. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Appreciate you, my friend. All right, Tom is a big winner. He's going to see Spam a lot. And we will have another uh, contest, another Real or Ridiculous uh, in our next hour. But right now it's time for Fibber, McGee, and Molly comedy show that aired from 1935 all the way until 1959. Think about that, Lisa. Yeah. That is uh, almost. Let's it's see. actually about the same number of years that we are going to be in WTN. <laughs> twenty-five <laughs> years. They were on the. They were on the air twenty-five That's years. Crazy. That is a lot. We're actually so lucky to be able to have some of these to play oh, today. Yeah. It's such a successful. Jim and Marion Jordan. They were uh, married in real life, and they played Fibber McGee and Molly. You know, people would drop in on them at seventy-nine with. Vista. It was just a very family-friendly, very popular program, and we have an episode for you now, October 10th, 1939. This is called Rummage Sale. Here's part one of Fibber McGee and Molly. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly.
The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Marion and Jim Jordan as Fibber McGee and Molly with Donald Novis, Bill Thompson, and Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with a shine on your shoes. This is the night of the Charity Bazaar and Rummage Sale, which is one of Wistful Vista's big annual social events. All the better people in Wistful Vista will be there, and you can't keep the McGee's away either. And here in their living room, trying to decide what they will contribute to the rummage sale, we find Fibber McGee and Molly. Well, McGee, what will we give them? Let's donate that clock. What clock? Well, the one Aunt Sarah gave us for a wedding present. You know, that marble Venus with the clock in her stomach? Oh. <laughs> why give that away? I think it's very decorative. Well, it makes me uncomfortable, that's why. I, I keep thinking how I'd feel if I was Venus. <laughs> Having people glance at my stomach and say, My, it's getting late. I guess I better go home. Well, now, just the same, we're not going to give that clock away. Okay, you suggest something. Well, I was just going to, dearie. Hmm? I was going through our winter clothes, and look what I found. Oh, you found something? Your old overcoat. Huh? I think we'd better donate this. What? My overcoat? Sure. Why, Molly, you can't give that overcoat away. What's the matter with it? Well, for one thing, look at this fur collar. <laughs> it looks all right to me. Oh, it does, does it? I'll bet this collar is known to every moth in town as McGee's picnic robe. <laughs> And the buttons What's the situation with the buttons? Very bad, dearie Two of them are only working part-time And three of them have quit Oh, just the same, Molly I, I can't part with that coat Why, that's my old army overcoat, Molly That I had dyed blue and a fur collar put on to it Still looks good People still compliment me on that overcoat Ah, they're kidding you, McGee Huh? You're too gullible Oh, well, maybe I am. I'll tell you why that is, Molly. You see, I was left on a doorstep when I was a baby, and I've been taken in by people ever since. <laughs> Come in. Fibber McGee and Molly? You betcha, bud. Why? Say, I've got a cute idea for one of your programs. Oh, how nice. What's the idea, bud? Can you sew? Sew what? Okay, if that's the way you feel about it. <laughs> Must have said the wrong thing, Molly. You did, and I'll tell you why, McGee. Huh? Why? Well, when you were a little baby, they left you on a doorstep. And you've been putting your foot in your mouth ever since. <laughs> and now about this overcoat. I definitely refuse to part with that overcoat, Molly. I got a great affection for that coat. People are still fond of Rip Van Winkle, too. I don't get the comparison. Well, you know what he looked like when his nap wore off. <laughs> Johnny, the ladies' club sent me over. Got anything you want took to the rummage sale? Well, not yet, Mr. Oldtimer. We haven't decided what we're going to send. Hey! <laughs> we was arguing about sending my overcoat. 
When you butted in, I was a head by one sleeve and a shoulder pad. <laughs> uh... <laughs> That's pretty good, Johnny. But that ain't the way I heard it. <laughs> the way I heard it, one feller says to the other feller, Say, says, my doctor wants me to get vaccinated. Think I ought to? Why, sure, says the other feller. Then when somebody says smallpox, you can say, <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> Well, when you make up your mind what you want to send to the auction, just leave me know. All right. What's your phone number? Better send me a note, daughter. I ain't got a phone. What? No phone? Nope. Lots of my friends got them, and they ain't satisfied with them. I'm going to wait and see how they work out. Why don't you send this overcoat to the auction and get a new one? No, sir. This is a very expensive coat. I thought you said the Army gave it to you. That's what makes it expensive. Think of the dough I could have been making while I was in the Army. <laughs> no, sir. You can't get me to... Oh, oh. Come in. Oh, how do you do, Mrs. McGee? And uh, Mr. McGee. Oh, how do you do, Mrs. Uppington? Hi, Uppy. Say, where are you going, McGee? I just happened to remember, Molly. I forgot to crevice the port aside. I'll see you later, Uppy. Uh, uh, what was it he said he had to do, Mrs. McGee? Crevice the portisite. Oh. Oh, oh, yes, yes, critical. Oh, yes. Well, that must be very interesting work. Oh, now tell me, Mrs. McGee, you are coming to the charity bazaar tonight, are you not? Oh, we certainly are, Mrs. Uppington. Uh, Listen, will you do me a favor? Take this overcoat and give it to them for the rummage sale. But for goodness sakes now, don't say anything to McGee about it. This is the only way I can get him to buy a new one. Oh, of course, my dear. <laughs> yes, I can't take it with me now, but I shall have my chauffeur call for it later in the day. Oh, thank you very much, Mrs. Uppington. I hate to trouble you, but you're so busy, you know, and all. Sometimes I wonder how you find time for all your social activities. Oh, sometimes I wonder myself, my dear. Between my afternoon parties and my church work, I certainly have to mind my T's and P's. <laughs> <laughs> so you think this is going to be quite an affair tonight, do you, Mrs. Uppington? Oh, but definitely. Oh, we're having several amusing novelties. Some of the Junior League girls are going to auction off kisses. Positively, Mrs. Uppington? Absolutely, Mrs. McGee. <laughs> of course, if the girls get too busy, I shall be only too glad to offer my own services. Ah, that's the spirit, Mrs. Uppington. Just slap on a little evening in Paris and you'll give the boys a big night in Wistful Vista. <laughs> Oh. But say you better wear your sorority pin for atmosphere. Oh, that's not a bad idea, my dear. But still, I'm afraid a sorority pin is not much indication of youthfulness. Wow. After all, Mahatma Gandhi still wears his safety pin. <laughs> <laughs> or am I just being a silly girl? Oh, well, goodbye. <laughs> Now, dearie, she's gone. Much obliged, Molly. Now, about this overcoat... Look here. Huh? Now, what would you say if... Uh, well, I mean, would you feel terribly bad if we sent it to the auction sale? I certainly would, Molly. This coat means too much to me. There's a lot of memories wrapped up in this old army coat. You see where it's been mended in the side here? Oh. That's where it got slashed with a bayonet. Oh, really, McGee? You betcha. It was a pretty bad moment, too, I tell you. I remember it just like it was yesterday. 
I don't know yet why I wasn't killed. Oh, my. There I was, shoulder to shoulder with two of my buddies, slashing, stabbing, and cutting away for dear life. Oh. And all of a sudden, I felt cold steel sliding along my ribs. Oh. Well, sir, quick's a flash. I dodged to one side, and that saved my life. And that taught me a lesson. What do you mean? That's the last time I ever tried to peel potatoes with a bayonet. <laughs> now, come on, let's go to the bazaar. Folks, Donald Nova sings South of the Border. South of the border, down Mexico way. That's where I fell in love when stars above came out to play. And now as I wander, my thoughts ever stray. South of the border, down Mexico way. She was a picture in old Spanish lace. Just for a tender while I kissed the smile upon her face For it was fiesta and we were so gay South of the border, down Mexico way then she sighed as she whispered manana never dreaming that we were parting and i lied as i whispered manana for our tomorrow never came south of the border i rode back one day then in a White by candlelight she knelt to pray The mission bells told me That I mustn't stay South of the border Down Mexico way That's the first portion of Fibber McGee and Molly, October 10th, 1939, Rummage Sale. We'll get back to it in just a few minutes. Motorists, this Labor Day, please arrive alive, never drink and drive. The Alliance Against Intoxicated Motorists Drunk Buster Program pays $100 to motorists who report an impaired driver that leads to a DUI arrest. This program is in effect year-round in DuPage, Lake, Kane, Grundy, McHenry, Will, Boone, and Winnebago counties, and statewide on all major holidays, including Labor Day. Citizens are encouraged to report erratic driving to the police. That's AIM, the Alliance Against Intoxicated Motorists. For information, visit www.aaim1.org. See that, Olivia de Havilland? Mm-hmm. She had some chutzpah. 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 <laughs> With the ch. <laughs> yeah, like that. <laughs> <laughs> Careful where you spray that. <laughs> you know how to spell chutzpah? Oh, What's the first I two letters? H- you know the ch? H. You know the ch? 
H A H H A. It's a C H H. H A C H C H. Where's the sh? Yeah, H. The C H is the H. That is. That's a H. In the back of your throat. I don't. Not too far back. Right. Not too far back, Roger. Near your uvula. Yeah, not that far back. You don't have to go that far. I know. I know. I know. I have no idea how to spell it. Chutzpah. Chutzpah. But she had it. Not Olivia chutzpah. Olivia Oh, wait a minute. That came through my headphone. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was interesting. You know, that whole labor thing. I had no idea. That's uh, I learned something. I learned you? something Get here. Get out of here. By the way, happy September. Happy September, Labor Day. Right? Gosh, man. It is almost Labor Day. It's wow. Labor Day weekend. Do you have yeah. some special plans for the Labor Day weekend? Um, no labor. How about that? No laboring. <laughs> that's Absolutely no laboring. That's that every day. That would be a nice day, right? Roger said that's every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Thank you, Roger. All righty. Uh, we're listening to Faber, McGee, and Molly. In our next hour, we have uh, Nick Carter, master, master detective. detective. He was so good. He was a master. At his detectiving. Yeah. I don't think that's a word. Detectiving. detectiving. I like it. You know, it's a it's a Carlism. I like it. Uh, that he was a master at it. Right. Yeah. Like so, we have a master weatherman and yeah. a master host. He was yeah. a master detective. We have a couple of master locks out there on our uh, on our lockers. We do. Yeah. But I know your combo. <laughs> yeah. She knows my combination, but I don't know her combination. I don't uh, think that's fair. That's the way it should be. He can't remember his own. That's the only reason I know <laughs> it. I, I took a picture. I wrote it down, took a picture of it. I have it in my, my phone. Photos, if I needed to get in my locker, which I don't. Right. In case somebody uh, leaves you a gift. Nobody sends me any mail or anything. I don't need any, <laughs> I don't need any mail. It's all Lisa. Lisa gets all the mail. <laughs> I get very little mail. It's better very that way. It's mail. all bills. It's, it is better that way. It's sure. better. Is it? I'm a better it's kind of like it's kind of like the insurance company. Everything's in good hands when That's Lisa right. takes care of it. I'm a better communicator. She is. She's very, you know, she's buttoned up. I'll tell you that. She is great at uh, social media and all the different. I mean, not only is she an awesome co-host, mm-hmm. but she takes care of like the the schedules and all. That. I mean, yeah. Lisa does your, a lot. So, your social life. She really. Does. Social <laughs> she does a lot of work here. Let me tell I you. I take as close folks. to the cleaners. She, wow. <laughs> no. Wait a minute. No. I don't know if that's part of the job description. Doesn't know that. <laughs> but uh, she's very buttoned up. That Lisa Wolf. Yeah. 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 Very, and she wears a big floppy hat when she's on a cruise. Well, that's... she will be. I guarantee yeah. it. I'm going to take pictures, Roger. <laughs> oh, you have to of Lisa you with her to. floppy hats. All right, yes. well, you buy it. I'll wear it. Or if you have like a sun of course, bra. you you have to get you have to get on social media in order to be able to let no. the rest of the world do that. No, I could take that's the picture true. and text it to you, and you can do it. Oh, <laughs> you're <laughs> good at that. He's really good at, at having other people do all I know this he stuff is. for him. I know. I can yeah. take the picture though, and that's I know how to text good. the picture. That's that's. About as far as it goes. That's though. amazing, about too, it. actually. Yeah. About it. <laughs> Are you enjoying Fibber McGee and Molly? You know I love ah, Fibber McGee and Molly. Awesome. One of my favorites. I know. Let's get back to it. Let's. Uh, this is called Rummage Sale. Let's get back to Fibber McGee and Molly. Quite a busy bazaar, ain't it, Molly? Yes. Say, we never did decide what we'd donate for the auction. Oh, forget it, dearie. I took care of it. Ah, oh, good. I was afraid you was going to insist on sending him my overcoat. Incidentally, keep your eye out for that guitar player I'm managing. I told him to close up the filling station and come down here. I thought this would be a pretty good spot to try him out again. Ah, oh, McGee, he's terrible. <laughs> what do you mean, terrible? Just because he was a little self-conscious? You missed 
want to buy a kiss for charity? Uh, not now, sis, but I might be back later. I'm just shopping around right now. <laughs> <laughs> Got to take a look at the various techniques. <laughs> Why, McGee? Oh, I'm just kidding there, Molly. <clears throat> Do you kiss with your eyes closed, sis? <laughs> well, not always, but in your case, I would. <laughs> So you're kidding her, are you? <laughs> Come on, I want to see the exhibit. Oh, oh, there, right this way, my young friend. Step right up and take a whirl on the wheel of fortune. Delicious pies, cakes, and cookies. Only a dollar, only a buck. Step right up and try your luck. Look, Molly, Horatio K. Boomer. Yeah. In the flash, doodle bud. I'm about to raffle off item 24, this delicious cake. Mm. Looks so good, I bought a chance on it myself. Mm. Come, come, my friends, only two tickets left. Take a whirl for charity's sake. Step right up and win a cake. Oh. Say, it does look delicious, McGee. Let's take the last two tickets. Okay, it must be good if Boomer bought a ticket on it himself. <laughs> well, we'll take them, Boomer. Splendid, splendid. That closes the bidding, folks. I am about to spin the wheel. Wow. Round and round for charity. Whoever wins, it's Jake with me. <laughs> and the winning number is 16. Number 16 wins. Who has number six? Well, well, imagine that. I want it myself. Hey, wait a minute, Boomer. You didn't win that cake. I won it. I got number 16. He certainly has, Mr. Boomer. Don't doubt it a bit, my dear. Don't doubt it a bit. But I hold number 91. 91? Thought you said the winning number was 16. So it is, so it is. But I forgot to mention that item 24 was an upside-down cake. Oh. You're now auction off item number 25. <laughs> I suppose if the wheel had stopped on double zero, he'd have paid himself off with a couple of donuts. Oh, well, come on, dearie. Well. Say, Mr. McGee, here I am. Oh, hi, Frankie. I'm glad to see you. You remember Frankie Saputo, Molly. The guy with the guitar? Oh, yes, indeed. How do you do, I'm sure. <laughs> did you practice up on that new number like I told you? I sure did, Mr. McGee. Good. Under my management, Frankie, you're going to go places. Well, unlimber the tinkle box while I climb up here and make an announcement. Right over here. Attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, attention, please. We've got a surprise for you tonight. I wish to present my latest discovery, a young fellow I found working in Gildersleeve's filling station, Mr. Frankie Saputo, the sensational Golden Voice guitarist. Mr. Saputo will offer for his first number, You Go to My Head. Go ahead, son. You go to my head And you linger like, like a refrain and I find you spinning my brain in a bottle of beer. You go to my head and you drink burgundy wine. You're drunk all the time on sunset and vine. The thrill, <laughs> the thrill of the thought that you might uh, say, hello, <laughs> hello, <laughs> I cast a spell over me, <laughs> still I say, 
She's a junior leaguer. <laughs> that gal's from the big league. Oh, darn it, Febber. Now see what you've done. I've got lipstick all over my face. Oh, dear. Here I... Oh, where are you going, Mr. Wilcox? I'm going home and confess this whole thing to my wife. That's where I'm going. I'm tainted. I'm smirched. I've been untrue. Let me out of here. <laughs> 
charity? Oh, I guess not, sis. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> I didn't like the way she said that, Molly. Anyway, I don't like this idea of gals selling kisses. It ain't right. It's, it's repulsive. Oh, well, it's for charity, McGee, and they seem to be doing a lot of business. Yeah, I guess they are at that. Say, look at that booth with all the jelly and preserves and pickles and all stuff like that there. Mm. <laughs> my, my. They certainly look beautiful, don't they, dearie? I'll say they do. You make all that stuff yourself, sis? Certainly did, Shorty. Us girls were canning raspberries all night last night. Did we have a jam session? Yippee! <laughs> business, Grandma. Oh, I can't complain, Skippy. Sour pickles are going good tonight, too. Yes, sir. Made a 50-50 deal with the girls in the kissing booths. What do you mean, a 50-50 deal? What sour pickles got to do with kisses? Try one, Johnny, and see how it puckers you up. <laughs> oh, boy, it takes a gherkin to get you working. <laughs> yeah, can you... <laughs> I bet she learned to yell like that cheering for Robert Fulton when he was trying out his steamboat. <laughs> oh, oh, there you are, Mrs. McGee. I've been searching all over for you. Well, uh, what's on your mind, Mrs. Eppington? Well, we're all ready to auction off the... Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Careful. Oh, yes. Well, we're all ready to auction off the... Oh, well, you know. Oh, won't you come in and do the auctioneering yourself, my dear? Oh, uh, why, uh... Well, yes, I will, Mrs. Oh. Eppington. Excuse me a few minutes, will you, dearie? Oh, well, what for? I'll come along and watch the auction. Oh, no, 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 please, Mickey, huh? don't do that. Huh? It'll just make me nervous. Please, now, huh? don't. No. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll mosey around a while. I'll meet you at the entrance. Well, thank you so much, Mr. McGee. So nice of you not to embarrass Mr. McGee. How does she get that stuff? What'd she mean, embarrass me? What could they Say, be Say, Fibber, did I get all that lipstick off of... Say, what's the matter with you? Say, you know what I think Molly's going to do? What, pal? She's going to auction off some kisses. That's what she's going to do. Oh. So what? It's all for charity. Oh, it is, is it? Well, I ain't going to let my wife do it. Oh, don't be such a stuffed shirt. You're just jealous. I am not. And what if I am? <laughs> she ain't going to do it. Come on, Harlow. Let's go and stop her. Oh, don't try to stop her. Look, just go out and outbid everybody else. Say, that's an idea. I'll duck down behind the crowd. Yeah. Come on. Here we are, folks. Remember now, folks. Remember. This auction will only interest the gentlemen in the crowd. Uh oh, you hear that, Harlow? Now, take it easy, pal. Let me tell you, this is a genuine article. It's had a lot of wear and tear, but there's still plenty of good in it. <laughs> oh, how can she be so brazen about it? Come on, boys. Who'll make the first bid? Remember, it'll keep you warm all winter. <laughs> what am I bid? Yeah, 50 cents. Why, that cheapskate. Five dollars. Now, that's more like it, gentlemen. I'm bid five dollars. Five dollars and thirty cents. Six bucks. Now we're getting somewhere, gentlemen. But after all, what's a little sum like six dollars? Don't you know value when you see it? Uh, uh, six and a quarter. Six and a quarter, I'm bid. Ten dollars. Wonderful, I'm bid ten dollars. But it's worth more than that. Lots more than that. Look at this neck. Hardly a wrinkle in it. <laughs> Look at these arms. Twenty dollars. <laughs> Who'll bid? $30. $30. Will anybody make it? $50. <laughs> What's the matter with that guy hey, anyway? Hey, calm down, Fibber. You're bidding against yourself. Wait and see if anybody else bids. No, sir. I ain't taking no chances. I'm going to cinch it. $100. Hooray! $100 I'm bid. Gentlemen, are there any more bids? Going, going, gone. 
to the gentleman in the... Where's the man who bid $100? Okay, Molly, it was me all the time. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, it is a lot of dough to pay for kissing your own wife, but... <laughs> McGee. Huh? I wasn't selling kisses. What? You just bought your own overcoat. What? Come in. Oh, no. In making out your shopping list this week, write down Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. It's wise always to have a can of this labor-saving floor polish on hand. Glow coat is the used on millions of linoleum floors regularly. And the number increases every week because glow coat offers the easiest way to have beautiful floors with practically no work. Glow coat is self-polishing. It shines as it dries in 20 minutes without any rubbing or buffing. Your kitchen or sunroom floors will never be sticky or gummy when you use this remarkable floor polish. Use Johnson's Glow Coat on your linoleum and varnished or painted wood floors. It protects them from wear, keeps the colors fresh and clean, shuts out dirt, and saves you hours of cleaning time. Order Glow Coat in the attractive yellow and red can tomorrow. Folks, we hope we amused you tonight with our visit to an imaginary charity bazaar in an imaginary town. But in many real cities, this is a very real situation. So may we ask you to give generously in this year's mobilization for human needs. Remember, folks, a city's heart beats loudest in its community chest. Good night. Good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat, Racine, Wisconsin, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night at this same time. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. That's Fibber, McGee, and Molly from October 10th, 1939, Rummage Sale, starring Jim and Mary and Jordan, sponsored by Johnson's Wax, as heard on NBC. And uh, towards the end there, Roger uh, hit a button or did something, and you heard a little uh, news go over the uh, radio show. And you know what? I'm taking his nickname away. He's no longer the bearded wonder. He is now, I wonder why I hit the wrong button. That's your name now. The I won- the yeah, bearded you're not, wonder. You're not the bearded wonder anymore. No. You're but the, he still has I a wonder. beard. You're the I wonder why I hit the wrong the button. button. That's his new name. And That's my new nickname. It's kind of long. news over the Fibber McGee and Molly show. Roger, I like sorry. it. I'm sorry. I like uh, that name. Deep. Which one? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> I can't repeat. It's too many words. I know. It's a long title. <laughs> Give me a shorter title that means the same thing. Hey, be careful where you put your fingers, Roger, <laughs> would you? <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me count them. Let me count them. All ten are there. All yeah. ten fingers. <laughs> all t- well, Just be careful where, so. you, where you put them, would you? I can't bend them all straight, but they're yeah. all there. Wait, bend them all straight. <laughs> the, all my fingers. They don't uh, bend all right, straight. never mind. <laughs> then just just right. watch those fingers. Would I'm you? Watch, if I all watch right. the fingers, I can't watch the news. Because Nick Carter, master detective, Ooh. he will not tolerate. No, he won't. You breaking into his show. Never. Okay, don't break into Nick Clearly Carter's Carl show. Carl doesn't tolerate He'll put it you either. in jail. Nick Carter will put you right in jail. Well, he he just may. You know, take me out. 
You know? Yeah, it's true. Like one of the he bad guys. He carries a 45. Yeah. He does, you know. And all the bad guys on there are, I all talk like this. They all talk like this. You're going to hear, you're going to hear yeah. some of the guys, they talk like this on yeah. the Nicotta Master Detective show. Yeah. Okay. You know? Okay. Don't mess with that Nicotta okay, guy. Nick. Okay, Nick, I give smart. up. I got see all my hand, fingers are oh, up so in the air. Oh, so you're like the dumb guy, and I'm um, like the oh, your, yeah. your boss, but I'm not so smart uh, either. <laughs> uh, he told me to do it. Yeah, you know, get over here, Roger. Oh, okay, and we boss. gotta run because Nick Carter's coming. This okay. is a great show. I'm gonna listen to you. Too. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. All right, well, let's, let's break for uh, something more uh, interesting to listen to. Commercials. Yeah, you know what's up next, Lisa. Yes, Nick I do. Nick Carter. Master Detective. Yeah, you know, uh, years ago, I got to play a bad guy. Oh, I know. I heard about that a couple of times. With Lon Clark <laughs> I and know. Charlotte Manson. She was, uh, you know, I don't know, I can't remember if it was Charlotte Manson or or um, there was another woman who played that role. Uh, Charlotte Manson. And I think it was Charlotte Manson and, um, and, and Lon Clark. It was great. Be able to stand up there and at the and microphone. And use your bad guy voice. And I talked like this. Yeah, I was actually the bad guy in the, I in know, the thing. I and know. And then Lon, Car- Lon Clark as Nick Carter. He, you know, had me arrested. <laughs> I bet he did. <laughs> was, and he was just walking past the room when he heard him. Right. <laughs> you know, Roger. I, I wish you would have gone to one of those. You would have been in your glory. They used to have these and oh, all the conventions. of these. I'm talking. Yeah. Bob Hastings was there, mm. uh, Ezra Stone, you know, from the Aldrich family. Mm-hmm. Jackie Kelk, who played Homer Brown, was there. Wow. I mean, Parley Bear. Uh, ha- I'm trying to think. Harlow Har- Wilcox. No, no, ha- no, Harlow Wilcox. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, we had she Shirley Mitchell, you know, from, she played Leela on Gildersleeve. Willard oh, Waterman was there. Oh, my gosh. Um, oh, gosh. I just go on and on. I, I went to four or five of these. Jackson mm-hmm. Beck, you know, was Philo Vance. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Zuckert, he was in a lot of these shows. Um, I'm trying to think. I would have gone crazy at those. You would have been. Seriously. In your glory. I'm t- Richard Crenna. And how that one? And, and was it like a raffle or something that no. you got to play on the... No, actually, what it was is sort of what we're going to do with the cruise. Oh, okay. So there was people that came to the to the convention. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people, and then you had a chance to audition to oh. to be in a in a Nick Carter Master Detective mm-hmm. or you know whatever it was. I did. An, I was on Nick Carter, and I was also on on Gildersleeve, where I played Leroy. You know, oh, wonderful. those were the two that I did. I think I did one other one, but I can't remember. But um, they were they were held in New York, in actually in New, in uh, Newark, uh-huh. at the airport in Newark, and it was at like a Holiday Inn. Mm-hmm. And I would it was like I think it was like four days, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, mm. Sunday, and they were there, and they you got to talk with them and have dinner with them and talk about the golden age of radio and mm. interview them and it was just so great and then they now, put on reenactments now i feel so bad that i missed it that yeah. i didn't know about that yeah, back, it was back called, in the time it was called the friends of old time radio convention and wow. i went to i don't know probably a half dozen of them mm-hmm. and then there were for a while in cincinnati too so i would drive to cincinnati to do oh, it okay. i just it was so great to meet these sure. people and really talk to them about the, the, the those days you yeah. know when they were alive and you still had that opportunity yeah they're yeah. almost all gone now yeah 
these people. But That's a uh, shame. I really feel blessed yeah. that I had the chance to meet them and have dinner with them. Uh, it was great. Anyway, well, I, lo- yeah. I I enjoy it vicariously through you now. Yeah, oh, so. cool. Well, it was it was really something. It was a blast to meet those people. Wow. All right, well, Nick Carter, yeah. Master Detective, that's up next. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Thanks, Roger. All right, welcome to Hour 3. Thanks for staying up late with us. It's one oh nine in the morning. And in this hour, we have the classic radio show, Nick Carter, Master Detective going back to 1945. Lon Clark played the role of Nick Carter, Master Detective Lisa, the entire run from 1943 all the way to 1955. That's a healthy run on radio. It was like 13 seasons. He was the only actor. Generally, it was different actors. You know, like if something ran 12, 13, 14 years, you'd have two or three different actors. Not Nick Carter. It was Lon Clark, the entire run. And uh, very cool. Uh, Helen Schote and Charlotte Manson each played his assistant, Patsy Bowen, over the series. And I believe it was Charlotte Manson that I met in uh, New Jersey when I did that show with uh, Lon Clark. Um, We have a broadcast coming your way in just a few minutes from 1945, Death Behind the Scenes. But first, we're going to play our game. Is it real or is it ridiculous? Brought to you by Cat's Pride. Yes, we're going to be talking about Rhea Perlman. And we're going to give away a desktop indoor weather station brought to you by American Weathermakers. Great, great prize. What caller? We're going to go with caller number two. So call right away, 312-981-7200. And we'll be right back. Come on, baby. Hey, Jim, we got Jim on the phone. Hey, Jim. Hi, how are you? Hi, Jim. I'm doing real good. Good, glad you made it through. And you were caller number two, I think that's what I asked for. And we're going to talk about Rhea Perlman, and you're already a winner, so here we go, number one. She was one of three actors to appear in every episode of Cheers. Real or ridiculous? Ridiculous. Mm. I'm going to say real. It's actually real. All right. Do you know who the other two were? No. Carl? I'm going to guess it would have been um, Sam, you know. Uh, Ted Danson. Ted Danson. Yep. And. Kelly Long? She, no. No, no. No, she, she, she switched. And it wouldn't have been they, Woody Harrelson nope, either. it wasn't. So I would say then. It's George Went. Oh, really? Yep. Okay, so... Yep, those are the three. This one, unfortunately, Tim, is for you. <laughs> or Jim, sorry. Jim, sorry, yeah, Jim. Thanks, man. Uh, and, I, I, you know, I set that as my life goal. So I'm sorry about that. You can call me Carol. Video. Call me Carol for the rest of the show. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Number two. She formed the production company Smokehouse Productions with Danny DeVito. Real or ridiculous? She's sneaky. Be careful, Jim. I've been listening to her mm-hmm. <laughs> along, along with you, and yes, mm-hmm. I know you can be here until two. Um, <laughs> I gotta say that's ridiculous. I'm gonna disagree. I'm gonna say it's real. It's ridiculous. Oh shoot! <laughs> All right, this is for me. Oh wait, that's for you. This is for you, Jim. Yeah, I got a lot of buttons here. This is for me. All right, so we're, we each got one. All Jim right. has one, and I have one. Well, you've gotten one right on each each hour yeah. so far. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> Number three, she met her husband, Danny DeVito, in 1970 after watching a play he was in. Real or ridiculous? I don't I don't know about this one because he was he was in Taxi by then. 
I don't know if he was still, you know, doing stage work. Oh. I'll be here till two. <laughs> yeah. All three of us are going to be here. Till <laughs> That's <nine>. right. <laughs> That's all right. You got 44 minutes. What do you think? I got to say real. <sighs> real. It's real. All That's right. real. All right. You guys actually did a great job. Even, yes. Even through all of it. But you know what? You are the winner. You've won a de- Not you, Carol. You, Jim. <laughs> uh, you've won a desktop <laughs> indoor weather station brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling, the 60-Minute Man. Visit AmericanWeathermakers.com. Thank you so much for playing. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thanks, <laughs> Take Jim. Care. All right, Jim's a big winner, and we've been getting some great texts from you people. Yeah. We appreciate it. We love when our listeners text us. And if you want to text us, we'll be here till 2, 312-981-7200. <laughs> right now it's time for Nick Carter. You know what, Lisa? Master detective. He was a master detective. I know. Did you know that? I, I, I didn't, but now I do. The I'm character of Nick Carter was first seen in Street and Smith dime novels, pulp magazines. You know, they were like these thick pulp yep. magazines. I have a bunch of them. I have a bunch of shadow pulp novels and several Nick Carter ones. In your basement. They're, not in my basement. <laughs> They're from the 30s. And, yeah. uh, you know, people, that's how they were popular. They were like 10 cents for a whole book, a huge book, magazine. Really cool. Uh, Street and Smith, they used to put out The Shadow and Nick Carter and Doc Savage. And like Sherlock Holmes, Nick solved cases too tough for police. He earned the moniker Master Detective. Detective. (laughs) (laughs) Lon Clark is the star. Let's tune this in. It's called Death Behind the Scenes from March 25th, 1945. Here's part one of Nick Carter, Master Master Detective. Yes, it's another case for that most famous of all manhunters, the detective whose ability at solving crime is unequaled in the history of detective fiction, Nick Carter, Master Detective, presented by the three great Linux home brighteners, Linux clear gloss varnish, Linux cream polish, and Linux self-polishing wax, created by Acme, America's great producer of fine Acme quality paints. Today's curious adventure, Death Behind the Scenes. As today's story begins, we're backstage at the Republic Theater, where Charles Forrest is directing a rehearsal of his new play, Lord Byron. But it will not be possible for us to live our lives as we want to. We must live for those nearest and dearest to us. You're right, my darling. I see it all now. Nothing that may happen to us can ever change the fact that I love you. Love you with every fiber of my being. Love you with a depth I'd never thought possible. Nothing will ever change that. And I feel the same way, Robert. And I always... Well, well, go on, Miss Davis. She can't go on, Mr. Forrest. That Weimar's cue to enter. As usual, he isn't here. Paul! Paul, that's your cue! I don't see why we always have to wait until Paul Weimar condescends to honor us with his presence. We spend more time waiting for him to pick up his cues than we do rehearsing. Take it easy, Dick. You don't have to go griping about Weimar all the time. Paul! On stage, please. We're waiting for you. Coming, Mr. Forrest. Just a moment. Coming, Mr. Forrest. Why can't he stay here the way the rest of us do? You forget, Dick. Mr. Paul Weimer is a great foreign star. Who? You're coming, Paul? Oh, sorry to keep you waiting, Mr. Forrest. Oh. 
Paul, what's happened? It's, it's happened again. It's happened again. I can't go on. What is it, Paul? Another accident. Again, someone tried to kill me. This time, it's a sandbag that drops almost on my head. Bradley, what's going on up there? Sorry, Mr. Forrest. Blind holding the sandbag must have come untied. I'll take care of it. I am through. I give up. Things break when I sit in them. Things fall over on me, and now, now this bag drops on my head. I'm sure it was an accident, Paul. Come on, let's get on with this scene. We open in three days, No, you know. I do not open in three days or ever. I'm through. Look, Paul, you can't quit on me now. It's too late. We're almost ready to open. I will not stay here and get killed. Paul. Suppose I get Nick Carter to come down here and find out what's going on. He can stop all these accidents you've been having. Will that satisfy you? You will get the great Nick Carter to make an investigation? I will if you'll stay with me. He'll see that nothing more happens to you. Yes, Mr. Weimar. Mr. Carter will protect you. Oh, shut up, Dick. This is serious. Will you get to work if I get Carter down here, Paul? Oh, very well. I will try it once more. But if there are any more of these accidents that nearly kill me, I shall go home and stay there, Carter or no Carter. All right. Betty! Take over the rehearsal. I'm going to get Nick Carter right now. You say you're having trouble with the new play, Forrest? I certainly am, Carter. It's supposed to be the life of Lord Byron, the poet. So that to play the lead, I brought an actor over from Paris. A man named Paul Weimer. He looks almost exactly like Byron, and he's a good actor. Doesn't sound like trouble so far. Wait. Never since we started rehearsals, one accident after another has happened to Weimar. So that by this time, he's getting so jittery that I'm afraid he won't be able to go on with the play. Well, what kind of accidents, Forrest? Well, one time a heavy door almost fell on him. Just missed him. Another time, a chair he was sitting in collapsed under him and sent him to the hospital for three days with a wrenched back and so on. Today, the final straw, a heavy sandbag counterweight, fell in almost on top of him as he crossed the stage. <laughs> I don't blame him for being jittery. Any idea what's behind all these things? Neither one of two things. Either somebody's trying to kill Paul, or they're trying to scare him out of the show. And there's only one person, as far as I know, who'd profit by getting rid of Paul. And who's that? Richard Rowland, my American star. He was so upset at not being given the part of Byron that he swore he'd never act for me again. And suddenly he agreed to play the second lead, which surprised me, even though it is a pretty fat role. Hmm. And if Paul Weimar had to give up the role for any reason, I suppose Roland would automatically step into the part? Yes, of course. Well, it certainly gives Roland a motive, doesn't it? Will you take the case, Nick? If you don't, I'm afraid Weimar will walk out on me, contract or no contract. Mm-hmm. When do you have your next rehearsal? Tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock, if the rest of the scenery is hung and ready. All right. I'll be there at 10.30 to look over the ground. Will you see to it that every... I'll take it, Nick. Nicholas Carter's office. Yes, he's here. Just a minute. It's for you, Mr. Forrest. Uh, for me? Oh, uh-huh. thanks. Hello? What? No, don't let anybody get away. Keep everything just as it is till we get there. Yes, I'm bringing him with me. Y- yes, yes, right away. Goodbye. That was Barry, my assistant stage manager. Roland is supposed to fire a shot at Paul in the second act. But when he fired just now, it wasn't a blank. It was real. Oh. Was why am I hurt? No, fortunately, the bullet missed him. Another accident, huh? Yes, another one. Heaven only knows what Weimar will do now. Let's get down there immediately. I want to start working on this before it's too late. Who wrote this play you're doing, Mr. Forrest? One of the best-known writers, Bert Lavar. Oh. A very rich man, a successful playwright. Writes for his own amusement. Didn't I read somewhere that he doesn't smoke or drink and that he never married? That's right. 
He's a peculiar duck. What? No weaknesses? <laughs> no. There's a reason for that, Carter. He had a younger brother who went to Paris for training in art. He met a wild crew there, got to drinking and carrying on, and ended up in an insane asylum where he died a year or two later. Levan has never touched liquor or tobacco from that day to this. Well, I've enjoyed life for many years without smoking or drinking. Are this the theater? Yes, and there's Fred, my doorman, waiting for us. Fred, this is Mr. Carter. He's in charge now. Hello. Hello, Fred. Has anybody left here since the shooting? No, Mr. Carter. Nobody been out or in. And through this way, Mr. Carter. Quiet! Quiet! Please, everybody! Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Nick Carter. He's in charge here now, and whatever he says goes. Now, that's Paul Weimer over there, Mr. Carter, and Richard Rowland next to him. How do you do? Now, first, let me get the facts. Oh, Rowland, suppose you tell me what happened. Well, in the second scene in the second act, Lord Byron is threatened by the husband of a lady to whom Byron's making love. I play the husband, and I'm supposed to shoot him. Instead of the old-fashioned pistol we'll actually use in the play, we've been using a small automatic with blanks. When I fired it just now, it wasn't a blank, but a real bullet. Fortunately, it missed Weimar, but I'm sorry to say it struck a stagehand who just happened to be in the line of fire. Was he badly hurt? No, it just scratched his cheek. Where's the gun you used? Oh, right here on the table. Hmm, 32 cold. Only one shell in it, and that's been fired. Roland, who has charge of this gun before it's given to you? Rogers, the property man. Get him, please. Rogers! Rogers! On stage! Well, everybody, please take the same positions now that you were in when the shot was fired. This is about the way we were, Mr. Carter. Good. Is everybody here now? Where's Batty? Batty! Batty! Right here! I was off stage making a phone call when Roland fired, so I'm staying out of sight now. Okay, stay there for now. Where's the property man? Rogers, where are you? Here I am. Rogers, where were you when the gun was fired? In my property room. What can you tell us about this? Nothing. I loaded the gun, same as usual, with the blank. Anybody see you do it? Sure, Bradley, the stagehand was with me. Then I left the gun on the table and went out to talk to Fred, the doorman. And while you were gone, someone took out the blank and put in a real bullet. Could be. I wouldn't know. Anybody see anyone near the property room while Rogers was not there? Oh, come on, speak up. Did you see anyone near the gun after it was loaded? Now listen, if you know something, speak up. This isn't acting. It's murder. Mr. Carter, Did you I... see anyone near the property room after the gun was loaded? Well, yes, I did. My girlfriend and I were having a smoke behind one of the wings, and we saw... We saw... Well, go on. Who went in there? Well, it, it was... It was I, Carter. I went in there to find a match, but I didn't touch the gun. Oh, you did it on purpose, you jealous... Careful, Weimar. Don't start calling names. You shot at me on purpose. You want to play the leading role, which I... Of course. Do you think Roland could have done it, me? No, it's too obvious, Patsy. Uh-huh. Right now, I'd like to have a look at the bullet that was fired from the gun. How could you find it? It could be anywhere in here. Oh, no, it couldn't. Look here. Uh-huh. It started from where Roland is standing. Mm. Went across the stage to where the stagehand is standing. Must have gone through those two flats behind him and into the wall. Come on. Okay. Now, if we line up Roland with the holes in these flats, we should find... That... Sure, Nick, there it is. In that big wooden post. Ah, yes. Let me get my tweezers. Well, that was easy, wasn't it? Patsy, hmm? look here. This bullet is a thirty-eight. The stage gun is a thirty-two. You mean that bullet didn't come from Roland's gun? No, Patsy. Whoever fired this bullet stood off stage and used the sound of Roland's gun to cover his own shot. But that... that would be murder. Yes, Patsy. 
cold-blooded, deliberate murder. How much longer do you want these people, Mr. Carter? Oh, they can go. I'm through with them for now. That's all for today, everyone. Tomorrow morning at 11 sharp. <laughs> Mr. Carter, do you think I'll be safe now? Yes, you're safe enough for now, Ivor. But I suggest you go to your hotel. I'll see you there later. I shall do it. Thank you very much, Mr. Carter. Uh, before you go, Carter, I'd like to have you meet our author. All right, Forrest. Was he the one in the stage box on the other side? Yes, come on over. You'll like him. Mr. Levan, yes? I'd like you to meet Mr. Nick Carter. Mr. Carter, Mr. Levan. How do you do? Glad to know you. Have you learned anything, Mr. Carter? Yes. The gun Roland used was not the gun that fired the bullet. That I know definitely. What? That means the shooting wasn't an accident? It means if the one who did the shooting had been a better marksman, Wymer would be dead right now. What's your next step, Mr. Carter? I think I'll go back to the office for a while and do a little thinking. Then I'll drop in on Paul Weimar and see what his side of the story is. Uh, shall we have dinner first? An excellent idea, Carter. I'll pick up my coat and hat and be right with you. I left my things in the box I was sitting in. I'll get them and join you in just a minute. I'll see you outside, Nick. I want a part of my nose. All right, Patsy. Just have a look around while I wait. What's the trouble, Carter? Fall over something? No. Something fell over me. I started across stage and something knocked me over. Almost knocked me out. What's going on in here? Mr. Carter's had an accident. Wait, another of them accidents? That flower pot was on top of that pedestal. For some reason, the whole thing fell over on me. You, you all right, Carter? Yes, I guess so. But let's get out of here before the roof falls in on us. Very dramatic organ music there, Lisa. It's been a dramatic evening, Carl. Nick Carter, master detective, uh, death behind the scenes with Alon Clark. More after these words. The actors from Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, and Chicago Med have once again joined forces to help out a local nonprofit called Patrick Lives On. On Saturday, September 7th at the Chop Shop, at 2033 North Avenue, the actors will participate in a special photo opportunity for VIP guests, followed by performing in a variety show. All proceeds go to helping local kids in the suburbs and Chicagoland area participate in after-school activities, keeping them safe and away from gang violence. Visit www.patrickliveson.org to register and win two VIP tickets. All right, after the news, it's the conclusion to Nick Carter, Master Detective, Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right. Um, hey, just want to remind all our listeners that the Classic Radio Club is a club we started just for our listeners. And when you join, you get 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time sent to you each and every month. And you can get them via digital download or on CD. And it's a great club. It's lots of fun. Hundreds and hundreds of members have joined. You also get liner notes that I write. It's all at ClassicRadioClub.com. Lisa is a member. She gets the digital downloads, right, Lisa? I do. I appreciate the digital downloads. Yes, I do. And Mike, he gets the CDs. Yep, he Roger gets that. the digital. Yeah, I love the digital. Roger yeah. and I are kind of, you know, on the same wavelength. The links yeah. never expire, Mm-mm. and they always sound amazing. And um, there you go. And it's a dollar for the first month. Yeah. So there's no reason not to give it you a shot. You should try it. You can always yeah. cancel at any time. ClassicRadioClub.com. Check it out. And right now it's time for the conclusion to Nick Carter, Master Detective.
Well, you see, Patsy, it has to be that way. You say every member of the cast was on stage when the shot was fired. Yes, and they were all in plain sight of each other. That leaves only four persons, as far as we know, who were backstage and who could have fired the offstage gun. Rogers, the property man, Fred, the doorman, Barry, the stage manager, and the stagehand, Bradley. And Fred says Rogers was talking to him near the entrance, which gives both of them an alibi. Apparently. And Barry says he was telephoning, and we found that a call was made from that phone at that time. It seems to let him out. And Bradley was shot by the bullet, so he couldn't have fired it. No. Which accounts for all four of them. Which means there's something somewhere we don't know yet. That's one reason I want to talk to Weimar. He may be able to throw some light on the subject. Oh, here you are, driver. Come on, Betsy. All right. <clears throat> A clerk. Paul Weimar is in 279, isn't he? Yes, sir. Who shall I say is calling? Oh, never mind announcing us. We're expected. Well, what's the name, please? You must be announced. The name is Nick Carter, and don't denounce it. But it's a rule to announce all guests. We can walk, Patsy. It's only the second floor. Well, why didn't you want to be announced, Nick? Just second nature. They don't know I'm coming to see them. They can't get ready to receive me. I like the element of surprise when I go calling officially. Oh, room 279. That must be right here. Oh, don't go, you can Well, Paul Weimar seems to attract trouble as honey attracts a bee. What has happened now? Are his unfortunate accidents not confined to the theater after all? How is Nick going to unravel this tangled thread and reach a solution? We'll see in just a moment. Whatever your family's preference may be, in home decoration, your home is bound to be more beautiful when its floors are well kept and shining. And with Linux self-polishing wax, floors always look their very best without tiresome rubbing or polishing. Yes, with Linux self-polishing wax, which is simply wiped on, your floors are handsome for a long time because Linux self-polishing wax dries to a rich, satiny finish that really lasts thanks to its high content of genuine Carnauba wax. And the finish may be renewed wherever and whenever you like without re-waxing the whole floor. What's more, Linux self-polishing wax is easy to keep lovely, for you whisk surface dirt away in a twinkling with a damp cloth. And Linux self-polishing wax is the anti-skid floor finish, for the underwriter's laboratories have proved by test that wood, linoleum, and rubber tile floors are actually less slippery after Linux self-polishing wax has been applied. Be sure to ask for Linux, L-I-N-X, Linux self-polishing wax. You'll find all three great Linux home brighteners and Chemtone, the miracle wall finish, at hardware, paint, and department stores everywhere. And now back to our story. We left Nick and Patsy racing toward Paul Weimar's hotel room, from which are coming cries for help. Oh, Nick, we've got to get in there. He's in trouble. I know. Let's see if I can open this door. Oh, hurry, Nick, hurry. You, you, you told me I wouldn't be safe here. What's happened? A man broke in through the window, tried to strangle well, me. Where is he now? He, he heard you at the door. He ran into the bedroom, went out by the fire escape. In here? Oh, there's no one in here now. Oh, fine thing. Even in my hotel, I'm not safe. You ever seen him before? Can you describe it? No, no. It was all too sudden. How long is this going on? I can stand it no more. Every day there's something. You say you never saw the man who... Oh, what's that? That's only the telephone, Mr. Weimar. I won't answer it. I won't. I won't. It might be trouble. You better answer it, Patsy. Take the message. Certainly, Nick. Hello, Mr. Weimar's room. Is Mr. Weimar there? Yes, but he can't answer the phone just now. May I take a message? Yes. 
Tell him Mr. Forrest called and wants Mr. Weimer to meet him in Mr. Weimer's dressing room at the theater at 8.30 tonight. Tonight? Are you sure of that? Yes, he was very specific. Said something about some revisions in the play that had to be made tonight to be ready for rehearsal tomorrow. All right, I'll tell him. Thank you. Oh, was it bad news, quick? Oh, not at all, Mr. Weimer. That was the clerk downstairs. Oh. She said, Mr. Forrest wants to see you in your dressing room tonight at 8.30. Something to do with revisions in the play. And it must be tonight. Oh, oh, that is a relief. I must prepare myself to leave. You will excuse me. That's quite all right, Mr. Weimer. Patsy and I must be running along anyway. See you tomorrow at rehearsal. Good night. Good night. And thank you. Good night. Oh, splendid, splendid. I couldn't have arranged it better myself. Nick, are you feeling all right? Oh, never better, Patsy. Never better. But why all the unconcealed joy? I'd expected this case would come to a head faster now that I was in it, but I hadn't hoped it would come quite so fast. The end is now in sight, Patsy. You go back to the office and wait for me. Where are you going? To the theater. And I must get there before Weimar does, if his life is to be safeguarded. Keep the chain. Good evening, Mr. Carter. Why, Fred, what are you doing here at this time of night? Do you have to guard the door 24 hours a day? Oh, no, sir. Mr. Forrest said he was expecting some crops about supper time, but they ain't come yet. Told me to wait for him, and I'm waiting. I see. Good. Oh, has anybody been here recently? I know. Uh, Brad was here about a half hour ago, but he only stayed a couple of minutes, long enough to get something he forgot, that's all. Mr. Forrest hasn't come down yet? No, he hasn't. Was he coming back tonight? I understood so, but I may be wrong. Oh, is it okay to go in? I want to have a look at something. Oh, sure thing. I want some lights? Uh, no, thanks. I have my flash. Okay, watch yourself, though. This ought to be Weimar's dressing room. Ah, yes. It's a cane he was carrying in rehearsal this afternoon. Uh-huh. Seems to be no concealed bombs. No booby traps. Huh? Okay, for now. Nothing to do now but wait until he arrives. you doing here? I'm here protecting your life, Mr. Weimar, whether you know it or not. But uh, Mr. Forrest was... Mr. Forrest knows nothing about this. The call you got came from the would-be murderer. He wanted to get you down here so he could finish his job tonight. Finish his job? How? What do you mean? That's what I want you to tell me. Well, before you touch anything or sit down, look around this dressing room. What do you see that doesn't look natural in here? Not look natural? What do you mean? Oh, anything out of place. Something here that shouldn't be here. Something missing. Oh, I see. Now, uh... uh oh, yes, yes. Someone has been smoking my cigarettes. I left nearly a fresh pack here, I remember. Now, look. There are only two cigarettes left. Ah, uh, yes. I might have expected that. Will you have one? No, neither will you. Unless you want to die fast. Uh, I don't understand. Wait. Yes. These cigarettes have been treated with a deadly drug. One so rare that he could only get enough for two cigarettes. That's why the rest of the pack is missing, so you'd be sure to be killed almost at once. That, Mr. Weimer, was why you received the message to beat Mr. Forrest in your dressing room. You'd smoke at least one cigarette while you waited. And that one would be your finish. But, but who wants to do this to me and why? I know the answer now. 
But I'd rather not say until I can produce the killer himself. As soon as I can, I... You interfering meddler! You'll never live! Sorry, I had to shoot out the lights, but I didn't want him to hit you. Hey, Mr. Carter, are you there? What is it that has happened? Stay here, Wyman. You're safe for the moment. I want to stop that man who just ran off. Your life's in danger as long as he's loose. Where are you going, Mr. Carter? Sit tight. I'll be right back. Fred! Fred! Yes, Mr. Carter? Did I hear some shooting? You did. Who was it just ran out here? Nobody. But he went out some way. I heard him slam the door. He must have gone out that little back door out behind the dressing room. You mean this isn't the only way out of this theater backstage? Oh, no. There's that other little door, but that's supposed to be kept locked all the time. That leads out to the other street. Oh, I see. Well, where's your telephone? Right there in the office, Mr. Carter. Good. Let me make one phone call and I'll show you a would-be killer. But I tell you, you can't do this to me. Maybe we can't, but we are, so just pipe down. Why won't you tell me what I'm accused of? Because I don't know. I'm acting under orders from... That is, I'm doing what Nick Carter suggests. Huh. And Nick's a pretty clever guy, if I do say so. Well, so you just... for those kind words, Riley. Well, where the deuce have you been? We've been waiting here in my office since... Yes, I know, I know, I know. I came as soon as I could. I got in a little traffic jam. Well, there he is. We picked him up just as he came in his hotel lobby, just like you said. Now, what do we do with him? He's the man who's been trying to kill Paul Weimer, huh? and who almost succeeded tonight. That's a lie. Is it? What did he have in his pockets, Riley? Oh, well, well here, here it is, Nick. It's the usual stuff. Ah, yes. The usual stuff. But not with the usual implications. Yeah, never mind those two-dollar words here. What do you see there that's so interesting? These loose cigarettes, for instance. There must be about 10 or 12 there, about half a pack. Mm-hmm. And they're Paul Weimer's brand. So what? And this little box, Riley. Mm-hmm. If you'll have your chemist examine these two cigarettes that were left in Weimer's dressing room, I believe you'll find them full of the same drug that was in this box. Well, you'll undoubtedly find traces of it there now. So, well, now you begin to make sense. This is all a pack of lies, a frame-up. It isn't either, and you know it. I am willing to bet that your fingerprints are on the doorknob of the little back door where you made your hasty exit from the theater tonight. What's that? Together with a few prints belonging to your assistant Bradley, the stagehand. And I imagine that Bradley will be very willing to talk when he finds he's up on an attempted murder charge. All right, Carter. You win. I did it. I hate that man, Weimar. But why should you hate him so, Mr. Levant? Because he was the leader of the gang in Paris who helped my brother drink himself into the insane asylum in the grave. He was more to blame than my poor brother, who knew no better. I wrote this play, Lord Byron, just to get him over here, where I could work on him. I suggested him to Forrest as the man for the part, and Forrest fell for it. Why didn't you kill him and be done with it? I wanted him to suffer as my brother suffered. But when you got into the case, Carter, I knew I had to finish it up quicker because... Bradley let you into the theater tonight through the little back door, didn't he? Yes. And it was Bradley who phoned the message to Weimer to get him to come down to the theater tonight, wasn't it? Yes. And it was Bradley who worked the backstage accidents after you had planned them, wasn't it? Yes, yes, yes. But he thought it was all part of a practical joke. He didn't know I intended to kill... All right, all right. Watch your language now. Who's the lady present here? I thought everybody had forgotten about me being over here in the corner. I was just sitting here listening. You fired that shot during the rehearsal, didn't you, Levant? Yes, and I wished I had aimed straighter. How come you hit the stagehand? Pure accident. I didn't even see him until after I'd fired. In a way, it saved us from suspecting he had a hand in these things because it didn't make sense that he should get shot if he was in it. But after a while, when I began to see things the way they were going, I saw it could be nobody but you working with his help. Nick? Yes, Patsy? 
May I ask a question? Oh, yes, Betsy. One little one. Did you see who shot at Weimar in the theater tonight? No, it was all too fast. And how did you know it was Mr. Levan? Well, even before I got to Weimar's dressing room tonight, I felt quite sure that Levan was guilty. And then when I entered the room and found that it smelled very strongly of that highly scented eau de cologne that Levan uses, I was positive. Ah. By gunny, you're right there, Nick. <laughs> sure, he smells like a perfume counter at the five and dime. Decidedly. That was the first thing I noticed about him when I met him earlier today. That was his only weakness, wasn't it? His excessive use of that scented eau de cologne. Well, maybe so, Patsy. But as far as I'm concerned, attempted murder is also a weakness. One that has to be punished. Nick Carter, Master Detective, is featured in Street and Smith magazines. Lauren Clark is starred as Nick with Helen Choate as Patsy. Original music is played by Lou White, and the programs are written and directed by Jock McGregor. This is Ken Powell speaking for the thousands of Linux dealers all over America and saying so long until next week. This is Mutual. There was never any arguments at that station, you know? It was always mutual. It was very mutual. <laughs> Nick Carter. Like us. <laughs> Nick Carter, Master Detective, a broadcast going back to March 25th, 1945, Death Behind the Scenes, Lon Clark starring in that, and uh, Helen Schote, C-H-O-A-T-E, Helen Schote. She was uh, Patsy Bowen, and then John Kane was Scubby. It was sponsored by Linux Home Brighteners. I don't think those are around anymore. Home Linux. Brightener? Linux Home oh, Brighteners. Yeah. Linux? Oh, sure. It's like <laughs> cleaning fluid of some sort. Cleaning fluid. I think it's like a cleaning product. <laughs> Linux. Well, you wouldn't know anything about that. I don't <laughs> I don't clean. Right. No, you don't clean. You have, she has a whole staff of people that come Yeah, there. I've got a slew. Like, they all just come Seriously. In. Sometimes I'll call her. Bees. Here's what I'll do. I'll call Lisa during the week. <laughs> hey, Lisa, what's going on? What are you doing? Well, I'm getting a mani-pedi right now. That's generally what happens when I call. That's incorrect. And then I'll be like, oh, what are you doing later? Well, my all my cleaning uh, people are coming over. She has like a fleet of cleaning people that come to the house and clean. Mm-hmm. Because that's... Well, you just had a Manny Petty. You wouldn't want to ruin right. Nails. Wouldn't want to I ruin mean, my nails and start no. using cleaning fluids. No, cleaning because <laughs> I'm kind of cleaning products. And then uh, and then I'll be like, okay, what are you doing tonight? Well, Dan and I are going to dinner. We're know. going out for dinner, right? You know, <laughs> right. and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, because uh, cooking. Because why not? Cooking. That don't want to mess up the no, house just you after you had it clean. Are you kidding? Right. So you so know, it's I, a rough life. I like your lifestyle. It's pretty good, Lisa. <laughs> Thanks, that's, girl. That's basically when I call her. Yeah, that's all. Those I are do. the three things. I've got nothing else to do. What are you doing now? Do. Patty. Later, the cleaning people are coming, and then, we're and then out Dan and I are going out to dinner. Yeah, I got nothing for to a do. nice for a nice dinner. Somewhere. I don't even go out nice ever. <laughs> like Chipotle is <laughs> yeah, about but, it I mean, for me. But you go to PF Chang's, and you just were at PF Chang's. My parents took us out. Oh, there. <laughs> parents, parents took. Us. Well, I didn't get an invite. I would have wanted PF Chang's. I was I, home. I, you should ask my parents for the invite. They I didn't come from me. Could have been like, hey, invite Carl. I would have met you. Well, PF Chang's. you'll have to take it up with my parents now, okay. won't you? <laughs> well, anyway, that was Nick Carter, Master Detective. Hope you liked that. When we come back tonight in like uh, 22 hours, 
Or right? 21, because... Yeah, 21 hours. Right. When we come back here, We've it's... got the Hollywood Star Playhouse. Right. That should be great. Oh, and what else? We have... Oh... Richard Diamond, Private, private detective. detective. Dick Powell in that. Oh, that's going to be it's great. It's almost like a master detective, but it's a private detective. Yeah. It's, it's a, a little, little bit different. It's not as... It's not as masterful. It's, it's not as good as master. Right. Master's better than private. I think you're thinking of master with, like, I Dream of Genie type. A master. Yeah, hey, I think master. That name yeah. kind of like. I like that. There's like a lure to that word for you. Master. Yeah, she was like, hey, master. Okay. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you and do. And she was such a cutie patootie, wasn't she? She was fantastic. Man, Barbara, Barbara Eden. She was something. Yeah, he and was some, a he was for, a lucky guy. Larry a, Hagman was that. Yeah, and for a while her navel would show. Yes. And then for other times. No navel. I think you'd be okay with it either way as long as they called you master. (laughs) (laughs) 